One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We can hear things from a comedian that we don't want to hear from a politician, mm. that we don't want to hear from some asshole in the news. But you hear it in comedy and you go, oh, that was a funny joke. And you go, yeah, maybe he's right about the thing. Like, mm. maybe I have been barking up the wrong tree. That is Adam Richard. And this is episode 214 of the Osher Ginsberg podcast. Happy New Year. Welcome to episode 214 of the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg, you're you, and here we are, the first day of 2018 with a podcast featuring comedian and TV writer and all-around fantastic man, Adam Richard. You can find him on Twitter at Adam Richard. Two first names, I know, but don't worry. It'll be fine. More about Adam in just a moment. Happy New Year. Look at us. We made it. January 1, 2018. We're here. Happy New Year. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a massive name right now. I'm not even sorry, okay? But I once did a gig with the Dalai Lama, the 14th Dalai Lama, no big deal, hosted it. He was nice, gave me a scarf, shawl thing that he blessed. It was brilliant, gave me superpowers. But during the Q&A section of the event, which is a, at the Domain, which is an outdoor venue in Sydney where they have the Christmas carols and stuff, it was a massive gig on a rainy day. There's all these thousands of people standing there under, under umbrellas, and he was, uh, you know, he's the happiest man on the planet. Anyway, I'm going to paraphrase here, but he was answering someone's question, and he said, you know what always I find interesting? Western people, they all choose one day of the year, New Year's Day, to make changes to your lives to change something in your life to make your life better. What you don't understand is that that day is every day. So this is me talking now, no longer Dalai Lama. That really stuck with me, though, because he has a point. Whatever whatever resolutions you make today, don't forget, it could be New Year's Day every day. 
You can make changes. I'm going to do this in my life better from now on. You can do that every day if you want. And in 366 days, when we do this one, when we do this again, when you and me have a podcast make and listen session, we'll look back and go, wow, that was a good year. So let's hold hands together and let's you and me make 2018 the best year ever. How about we do that? Um, hello, wherever you are on this first day of 2018, if you've downloaded this on the first day of 2018, if, if, if you've just discovered the podcast and it's June and you're listening back now and finding old episodes, wow, time warp, excellent. Um, right now I'm far away. I'm in a foreign land with wife and kid enjoying foreign land food and foreign land culture and foreign land language, which I don't know, but is interesting. Um, there's a quote by St. Augustine of Hippo, I believe. It goes, the world is a book and those that do not travel have only read one page. That's absolutely correct, that quote. Not that I believe in saints or sainthood or canonization or anything like that, but Augustine, Augustine knew what they were on about. I guarantee you that. Get out, have a look, go and have a see. It's very, very hard to stay close-minded when you go and look at other parts of the world and see how they do things. Um. But, yeah, we're far away, and even though I'm on holiday, um, to check in, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm working hard, if you've been listening to the show, I've been working hard to make sure that my life off of meds is less of a punish to those around me, because it's okay for me, but it's Audrey that's copying the brunt of it. She's the one that looks at me and goes, are you sure you want to do this? You're a punish. But I have noticed the things, it's only been about two and a half weeks, but I have noticed that my amplitude between highs and lows is, is much bigger now that I'm off meds. I'm actually feeling the world a bit more. Um, but the fear of the lows is less because the oscillations above zero are, are a little higher and the oscillations below zero are also a little higher. So it's not going as deep as it used to go. But those that do dip below zero... They don't stay there for long, which is which is nice. I still happen. I still have to go through it, but it doesn't stick for hours or days or weeks at the moment. But I don't want to count my eggs before they're chickens. But so far, I'm noticing that if I just, I don't know, like hold tight, check on reality, check with my wife, do some re-rationalizing, do my writing, use the tools that I have, the lows kind of wash over after a little while. It's not like before when I would get just trapped like when a fishing line gets caught in your boat propeller and you that's it you're stuck at sea and you you know fucked it's not like before but that's just this week all right <laughs> I'll talk to you again next week but so far it's all right it's still scary when i'm in the darkness not gonna lie but so far it's not a permanent state so far and so far those moments do pass after a little while they're still very uncomfortable but they do pass so one of the tricks that I am I'm using, um, uh, the observer trick, uh, trick yourself into observing. It, it seems to work. It's one of the things that's working at the moment. It, um, it's been described in a lot of ways, but the best way I've ever, ever observed it <laughs> described is um, a, a composer by the name, not composer, conductor by the name of Benjamin Zander wrote a fantastic book called The Art of Possibility. And he writes that, you know, every time he makes a mistake or someone in orchestra makes a mistake, he encourages, he either does it or encourages the player to throw their hands in the air and shout, how fascinating. So rather than go, oh, shit, I made a mistake, go, wow, I made a mistake. What an opportunity to learn here. And 
what that does is I don't necessarily throw my hands in the air, but in my mind I do it. Uh, it helps to kind of instantly change me from someone who's experiencing panic or anxiety or terror, depending on how bad the day it is, to someone watching someone experience these things and observe the feelings rather than kind of be trapped in them. And now, like I said, I don't want to be putting on my 2017 Champions commemorative sponsor cap, you know, before I do the post-match interview because we haven't actually won the game yet. But even though it's work, even though it's hard work, I'm seeing a little light through the cracks and I'm, 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 I've got hope that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay even if I have to get back on meds again because I know the meds work. But I know it's I'm, I'm going to work. I think it's going to be all right. But that's just this week, all right? And even though I'm on holidays, um, and you probably are, I hope you are as well, uh, I just wanted to make sure that you had episodes to listen to that most of you haven't heard yet um, to enjoy during your day off. If you're in Australia, um, we have New Year's Day as a public holiday. So if you listen to a podcast on New Year's Day, I hope you know, this is one of them. Um, so whatever you're doing today, please make sure you send me a podsy, hashtag P-O-D-S-I-E. Uh, that is a photograph taken with the phone you're listening to this on, a photograph of whatever it is you're looking at right now, whatever it is you're looking at, an ibis enjoying a bin, a beach, some shopping, some groceries, some laundry, whatever it is, send it to me. Send osher email at gmail.com. Make sure you pull over before you shoot the photo though, all right? Don't bloody hurt yourself or someone else. Um, but it's great. I love getting the photographs of, of uh, you know, what you're looking at when you're listening to the show and the places that, that we go together, you and me. It's, it's pretty great. It's my favourite thing, actually. Um, now, like I said, most of you haven't heard the episode uh, that I'm going to play for you today. It originally went out as a supporter exclusive, but since the supporter episodes aren't getting made anymore, uh, I wanted to share it with the wider community of, uh, of people that listen. My guest today is Adam Richard. Adam is a stand-up comedian. He's a writer. He's a TV guy, all-around wonderful human. You've seen him on Whovians, the Doctor Who wrap-up show that you can catch on the ABC in Australia, but he's done screens of other things. Uh, Adam, Adam and I recorded this a, a few months ago now. We recorded this before Australia enthusiastically voted yes to marriage equality, so there, there might be a bit of chat about that in this show, but I left it in. wanted to leave it as a memory of what we as a country went through. You can find Adam on Twitter. He's at Adam Richard, and let him know you heard him here. So from a uh, an Airbnb far away to you wherever you are, Enjoy this chat with Adam Richard. Hi, Adam. Hey, Osha. How's it going? I'm good. Welcome back. <laughs> oh, it's lovely to be back. Welcome back well, to back the Well, back, but somewhere else. It's... Yeah, last time we chatted, I was in a hotel room. Yeah, I know. I was still dating my now wife. I know. Things change so quickly. Yeah. I she... now live in Sydney. I wasn't just visiting. You were commuting. Yeah, I was popping up occasionally to see my boyfriend, who I now live with. Cohabitating. Well, I'm just getting in early. I'm hoping the marriage equality will come in so I can get my hands on his property. He owns Sydney property. I want it. Oh. <laughs> I want to go on the title. Come on. It's the only way, the only way to get property in Sydney is marry into it. <laughs> yeah, I do wonder about that. Young, uh, young Georgia, my, my daughter, she's got mates who, like in these parts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, People have a fucking lift in their house. Oh, you know, she's got she's got mates who've got a lift in their place. And I go around to them houses to pick her up and their dads are younger than me. I thought, oh, fuck. Yeah. How did you how did you do this? I mean, sure, I'm not a banker, but 
Are what? they bankers or are they DJ photographers who've hooked up very well? Slash it. <laughs> I've got to wonder, though, like, where do you get that kind of capital? Like, Boyf- how can you Boyfriend be in- is a graphic designer. It seems to be the only job going in town. <laughs> how, can you be, how can you be in your, your late 30s and, like... Be re-rolling, oh, you know, in a, in a seven-figure, six million dollar house. I think there's, um, I think there's a bit of the Gina Reinhardt business going on, where there are properties bought in the name of children that are uh, not meant to be in their names uh, until they get old enough to go. Yeah, you can't have it back. <laughs> Squatters' rights. Because didn't she do that thing where she put all these prop, all these businesses and things in her kids' names, that's and then right. they all went. No, we're holding on to it. And she's like, no, no, that's my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Wow, that's a whole other story, isn't it? Yeah. That's a wild story. See, scenario. I, my parents rented their entire lives. I, you know, me and the bank own a property in Melbourne and this is, I've had to do that myself. Like that has been a, I got nothing. Yeah. I got some handful of cash that I barely lived on for half a year when my mum died when I was 25 and that is the only helping hand I've had financially. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how anyone younger would do it unless their parents are guaranteeing everything. That's got to be it. Yeah. That's got particularly now, like, when you look at how much a house cost in the 70s versus the oh. average wage. Yeah. Versus now. Yeah. Or even the 80s when these people, when the now generation's parents were, were, were entering the housing market. You know, you could buy, what was it, like four or five times the uh, grew, average wage? I grew up in Brunswick. The house that my parents rented, and they rented from friends of theirs, The they sold the house, I think, for, like, it would have been the like early 80s for, like, $60,000. And what was the wage at the time? Oh, who knows? But Dad never gave my more than 100 bucks a week, like, from when they got married to when I went to high school in the 80s. So, who knows? Wow. <laughs> um... But yeah, like the sixty thousand dollars for a house in Brunswick now minimum. Throw some zeros on that. A million. Wow. Like for yeah. You are someone who has moved states to be with someone that you do love. At the and age you, of forty six. What a crazy old man. And you know, you are you have someone that you hold every night, and mm-hmm. you know, someone that strikes. When I'm in town. <laughs> with someone that strokes your hair when then tells you, you know, it's going to be all right. Yeah. And, and you know, when you start thinking about what you're faced with if either you or he get mm. ill. It's yeah. bloody well, frightening. We had it? that discussion the other night because he's like, well, it's not a big deal. I don't really want to get married. I'm like, yeah, but it, like, if we want to enshrine in law everything that marriage gives you automatically without having to go to a lawyer, it will cost us like 10, 12 grand in fees just to get the contracts drawn up. There's no pro forma. And... If something did happen, it's all challengeable by our families. So, you know, he's from China. His parents are very old-fashioned. And if they decided they wanted one thing to happen and I wanted something else, then pretty sure I would... Uh, it would be one of those things where it's like, well, I'm not going to pay 10 grand just so I can go, yeah, he wants, he wants to have physical therapy here. <laughs> Just want to be dragged back to Hong Kong. Yeah, are but, you talking things like injury and paraphernalia? Yeah, like all all that stuff. Anything, anything. Like, if, like God forbid, anything happens. Touch wood. But yeah, like I would have to, you know, if there was a disagreement, there would be, we'd have to go to court. There'd be no, oh well, you're the husband, so your say goes. There's no, 
Where marriage gives you that automatically, full stop, end of the line. Yeah. Whereas it would, yeah, we would have to get things drawn up and agreements and then, then you have to like guess things. Like it's having conversations about, well, what if, what if I'm a vegetable and you have to wipe my bum every day? Well, like, like you don't yeah. have to have that conversation when you get married. Like that's just implied. Yeah. Yeah, you do. What about things like, uh, things like life insurance policies yeah. and things like that? Again, uh, you can put someone down on your, if you've got life insurance with your super or whatever, you can put someone down, but it, it's, it's contestable. Oh, shit. Yeah. Anyone who feels that they are, they deserve the money more than, you know, the alleged partner <laughs> can come in and start throwing their weight around and go, yeah, no, we, we want that cash. That's and when it comes to adoption or anything like that? Yeah. I know it's weird that, like, in South Australia, you can legally adopt, but you can't legally be married. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. And we, there were, like, all those rights were enshrined for a long time as part of the de facto hmm. common law. But uh, the Howard government had those all overturned when they rewrote the Marriage Act to be only a man and a woman. In 2004? Yeah. Huh. So we live in a world that's backwards from where we used to live. From yeah. The, from the 70s to the, you know, the 90s. It was all, it was all fine. One, yeah. of, one of the most progressive places in the world. Yeah. <laughs> What would you say to people who feel, you know, just you know, they should just be quiet and be happy with what they fucking got? Look, I, I don't want to have the discussion as much as anyone doesn't want to have the discussion. Like, it's, you know, the fact that we keep calling it a debate is absurd because it's like, well, I don't want to go to your church and get married in, and have your biscuit. Like, that's not my thing. Jesus biscuits. <laughs> They don't taste nice either. <laughs> They're not good. The As a kid, they were fed to me, and I can't say I was thrilled by the taste. But you know, of them. that's not that's not what we're after. And you know, there's no, I don't care about the semantics of it. Like, call it a civil partnership or whatever you want to call it. Mm. But just let me have the the same basic rights as everyone else in the country. Yeah. Like, I do stand up about it, which is embarrassing, where I talk about how I feel like I look like a normal person, but you get up close, and I'm like I'm on sale at Aldi. Where nothing looks like it actually is. <laughs> when you go to Aldi, you go up close, you're like, I don't know what brand that is. I thought that was that. Yeah. That is. That blue liquid is not Windex. What's Audrey came home with some, <laughs> it's like an exact duplicate yeah. of the Colgate toothbrushes, but it's got a, it's the same font, yeah. same color scheme, not that it's like Dentrex or something yeah. like this. Like, this isn't a Colgate toothbrush. Is, it is, it is just like it's whoever's dollar, job that is. Dollar fifteen though. To do that, that graphic design. They are, <laughs> they're not paid enough. <laughs> oh, because I do, you know, I, I do wonder about, what there is, why there is such this particular set of moment, particularly this week when Alan Joyce, the mm. openly out CEO of Qantas, yeah. which is one of the largest employers in our country, comes out and says, <laughs> um, "This is, you know, this is ridiculous. You've got to, you've got to do this." And yeah. um, Peter Dutton says, "You should just be quiet. Don't say yeah. anything." Like Dutton, fuck <laughs> off. The, I mean, for, for someone like Qantas, it is, it's difficult because they are an international company, technically. They're based here. Yeah. But, you know, they, how are they going to headhunt anyone from overseas? They go, oh, my God, there is a guy we need in charge of finance. He's amazing, lives in London, got to get him over here. In and it's like, well, I can't go there because my marriage will not be 
recognized. recognized and uh, I don't want to live in your country with your outdated laws. Like it's terrible for business. Like they can't. There are so there are so many things that it's that it's causing an issue for. Like it is, and I'm like, you know, that would no one would ever come out and say anything like that. But it's a it's a big deal. For what people. are people worried about? I think people don't like change. You know, I don't like change. From what I mean, people I don't, don't like, like change. People went, "Fuck this, Nokia is awesome." Whoa, iPhone. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And then people forgot what the other thing was. You know, if the new thing's better and easier, people flock to it. Yeah, but people like change afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> people love change once it ha- it's happened, but no one wants it to happen. Like, people are terrified of it happening. Like, I, you know, like, from a, just a purely personal example, I worked in radio for 10 years and at the end of that 10 years was like, oh, my God, I don't know what my life is going to be like now. What do I... You know, what do I do without getting up at four o'clock in the morning? It's going to be terrifying. And, the you know, within weeks of the announcement, I had a few auditions for a TV show, then got the best gig I've ever had in my life, which was, which was working on Spicks and Specs. And I'm like, well, I could never have foreseen this coming. I would never, I would, probably wouldn't have been able to do it if I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning every day. I would have gone around the twist, getting up in the morning, staying late at night, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, you don't know that that's... That that is the net result mm. of change. Like we all just catastrophize change. We all decide that the slightest little difference will cause everything to be terrible. Like my mum died a week after my very first stand-up comedy gig, and I don't know how much of her not being in my life has been a driver of me, you know, doing this job for twenty years. Um, you know, what I don't know how I would have gone if she'd been around to be critical of what I was doing or if she did approve of it and I was like, no, well, I don't want to do that then. Or she loved it and I loved that. Who knows? I can't, I can't tell you. But that terrible, horrible experience on the other side of that has been this amazing life that I've led. So how do you know what change is going to bring you? You don't know what's on the other side of that particular fence. Like it's, but people are just terrified. It's like, no, oh, I don't like the way Facebook is today. I used to be able to click just just a thumb. Now there's all these faces. I don't know what to do with myself. People get upset. They don't like change. <laughs> are people worried that there's going to be like just a non-stop flag-waving Mardi Gras parade down the main street of their suburb? A, that is a weird thing where people get like, you know, I'll stop shoving it down my throat. I used to get that on Spicks and Specs a lot. Like my favourite one was someone said on the Facebook page, was like, why does Adam always have to mention he's gay? Like, you know, we all knew Alan Bro was gay and he never mentioned it. It's like, yeah, because he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's just flamboyant. He's <laughs> got, a, it's got a, a child and a lovely lady at home. You know, that's not a... <laughs> so, yeah, I, that, that's why, you know, you have to say things. That's why you have to constantly be agitating. It's annoying. We don't want to do it. Yeah. But if you don't, then nothing changes. Are people worried that if, if same-sex marriage becomes law in this country that their marriage will be affected somehow? Somehow. You know what I... Do you know the, the weirdest thing is? Like, if, if someone just sat all the opponents of marriage equality down and said, you do realise that once we get it, we have nothing else to complain about. We will just go away. <laughs> You'll see the last of us. That'll, that's the end. That's our last little hurdle of equality and recognition and we'll all go off and live in the suburbs and go to Bunnings and eat our sausages and that'll be it. There'll be no... We'll be gone. But 
Maybe they like the fight. Maybe they love the excuse of being able to be, you know, it's the, the one group that they're allowed to be horrible to because mm. they put it in inverted commas, a debate. It's like, oh, I can be horrendous to the homosexuals because we're debating whether they can have stuff or not. Do, they, do people worry that they might catch the gay? <laughs> if it was contagious. <laughs> I caught it from the Mike Walsh show. <laughs> As a child. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, I don't know. It, I, I just think it's one of those things. It's like it's gone on for so long and I feel like as a country we look slightly ridiculous. And, you know, I'm sure people are going to complain about this and go, no, not everyone believes what you believe. It's like, well, I don't, I don't want marriage. I don't want to go to a church. I don't want to trample all over anything anyone else wants. I just would like to be able to have, you know, like a pro forma when you rock up to get married where you can tick a box and go, yes, now I have all these rights. That's, that's all I'm really interested in, personally. To be treated as an equal member of society? Yeah. I pay my taxes. You know, this is another thing. If you're in a gay couple, you have to pay the same tax rate as a married couple, but you don't get any of the rights. Oh, that's That's double dipping. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of us just don't declare our relationships because why would we? (laughs) It's my flatmate. He's my flatmate. It's a one-bedroom flat. I pay rent to him. Mates. (laughs) (laughs) an inflatable bed I sleep in the lounge <laughs> yeah I you know it it because I think about how would you know Betty Blacktown or or you know Barry Bean Lee or whoever you know mm. standard suburban person you want to talk about who's upset you know what how do you feel if if, if someone that you never met in your mm. life has suddenly made a law that reduces your rights as a human being but in society. Did. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I was an adult when it happened. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know how it, like, I guess it's, it's the way it's sold to you. Like, you know, it would have been sold as it was a good thing at the time. And it's the, it's, you know, like Trump deciding certain people can't enter the United States. It's sold to people as if it's a good thing. Mm. And, you know, we live in an age now where you can decide what news you want to read. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you're not going to hear. You want to re- only read the news that makes you feel good about what yeah. you already know. I know. It's like the internet has become... Like, remember in the 80s and 90s, like, TV news became this weird thing where you'd turn on the news and there'd be some terrible things going on overseas, but, you know, some woman didn't get the right change at the local shops and that was the number one story. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Because yeah. it was at the shops down the road. Yeah. Like, that was your big thing. Oh, my God, they were at the Westfields. <laughs> Fuck, did you see them? That's me in the background. There I am, there I am. Like, that's... And I feel like that's what the internet has become. It's become, like, just, yeah, the news... The news that you want. Like, the other day, I, I was like, have you used the Apple News app? No. Uh, I use it because I've got this massive iPad, and so sometimes I'll just click on a story. And, you read, like, I read one about... Um, it was about the... Searching for the plane that went down, MH370, yeah, and how, as as a bizarre consequence of them looking for it, that they've now mapped a huge chunk of the ocean that they never would have looked in off the coast of Western Australia. Like, there's this, they've found all this stuff down there. They're like, we didn't know that was there. There's a mountain. There's all this, like, they've (laughs) got, there's all this, like, none of the plane, but they've, you know, like, scientists have been like, well, we're, you know, on the back of this this Mm. search for a tragedy. 
So I was reading this uplifting story about yeah. new scientific discoveries and you scroll to the end of the page and there's like 10 stories about crashed planes. And I'm like, you know, that's not what I clicked on it for. No. <laughs> but I do worry I do worry about algorithmic news and, news oh, yeah. and rather than news curation, mm. which was what we used to have. Yeah. We had uh, an editor mm. who he or she, well, let's face it, it was a he, mm. made <laughs> Made the decision. These are the important stories, and mm. this is this journalistic bent, the the view that this particular newspaper will take. Yeah. Uh, as we collate these stories, and we will look at the so, so one paper will look at this as bad for our country. One paper will look at this as great for our yeah. country, and that's you know that's how it was. Now it's what makes people click. Yeah. And this Which person is reading horrible. something about a plane crash. They want to know more about plane crashes. Yeah. I don't want to know more about plane crashes. I want to know more about scientific discoveries. Yeah, because you are a nerdy man. I'm a very nerdy man. It was fascinating. It was a fascinating article about, you know, they, they, the article basically said we know more about the surface of Mars than we do about the depths of our own ocean. It's true. Because it, it's 70% of the planet. <laughs> we haven't gone to look down there. Yeah. And the conditions are completely inhospitable. Very inhospitable. <laughs> pretty much anything that we can create. Yeah. Any, any doohickey that we can build just, just can't withstand the pressure of it. So, yeah, I found that fascinating that, you know, a tragedy, like an awful, awful experience has, yeah. as often happens, has given rise to this incredible discovery. Like these amazing, yeah. you know, they've now mapped a part of the ocean. They would never, no one would have ever, like no scientist was interested in it. Because there was nothing, they thought, oh, there's nothing any different there than down the road. Yeah. Like it's, you know, the Great Barrier Reef, yeah, everyone wants to know about it because it's a gigantic living organism. And it's but, dying. Yeah, but out, out, out the back of Perth, it's like, nah, no one cares what's out there. <laughs> you just keep Perth, Perth, water, Africa. Yeah. <laughs> water, 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 water. Africa. Water, water, water. Well, there's a bit of Australia. There was a, one of the Commonwealth Islands, Macquarie Island or yeah. something's out there. It's the, just fun fact, mm. uh, the highest peak on a, in, a, in Australia is on one of those islands way out there. Oh, wow. It's fucking massive. But <laughs> it's bigger than Kosciuszko because it's on an island. Doesn't count. It's, it's out, in, you know, back in the day when we were just sailing boats around and grabbing yeah. land, well, we grabbed one of them. Yeah. It's There's no edge to it. It's like an old, <laughs> old whaling station or something like that. It's one of the places you'd, you stop out on the way back from Antarctica, I think. Um, so just to, just to quickly cap off the, the, the marriage equality thing is... The thing that Howard did and, and what's happening now with Turnbull, which blows my mind because his mm. lecturer has got to be the gayest lecturer in the country. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then again, also possibly the most conservative. Is it... Is it... Like, it seems to, like everything is... I suck an, fucking entendre. Is it some <laughs> sort of backroom deal that has... Uh, I think... Has driven this? I think with Bernardi going... Um, the balance of power might shift a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Christensen has taken himself out of the being the whip, so, but which means he could be the new Bernardi, like he could be the one agitating in the corner. Uh-huh. But also, you know, Turnbull is kind of uh, held ransom by Abbott, who every time he tries to do anything progressive. Abbott starts waving the crazy conservative flag and like, no, no, we can't do that. Regular Australians won't like it, and then approval ratings drop, and there's panic, and yeah, it's regular Australians could give a shit. I know, but it's about perception. Yeah, like, politics has always been about perception. It's always been about you know point scoring, and it's, I- it's yeah, like it, it feels like it's 
it's as far away from people's actual lives as you could possibly mm. imagine. It's just, oh, yeah, no, these people will hate it. Those people will hate it. I'd need their support in case there's a spill. So uh, I've got to keep them nice. Would, so two <laughs> things. When I last year, um, Jimmy Matheson was going gunning for Tony Abbott's yes, seat in Warringah. Yes, great. It was great. <laughs> Um, you got 11,000 votes mm. with zero marketing budget. Yeah. So, you know, that that's with no advertising spend. I think yeah. Tony spent something like $300,000 just in the Warringah Shire. Also, Tony was at the, you know, he is a vicious campaigner. Like, oh. he will just stand in the rain with leaflets. He alone. was out there. I, I, yeah. I saw him. I was handing He's out leaflets for always him. always there. But I could, he stands at the ferry could, station just oh, getting yeah. people as they get on. I could, um, <laughs> I could tell by the way people walked. Mm-hmm. From the gate of the school to where all the people with the leaflets were, yeah. who was going to take yeah. the liberal one and who was going to take my one for Jimmy? Um, <laughs> it won't be long. It, it mm. won't be long. It'll be a couple more years, and you know, people. Will, and I think that's that's the sad part is you you got to wait for people to die off. Yeah, before but then, things change. Then there's the other the other side of it where you've got your like your. Trumps and your Hansons who are agitating for those disaffected voters, people who feel like nobody has served them on either side of politics. Yeah. So surely this third voice will be a reasonable one or just something different. Yeah. And, you know, we find the horrors that lie within. <laughs> true. Too true. So, yeah, it's, you know, I mean... Anyone who actually is a reasonably intelligent person would never go into politics because there's no... It seems like you can't do anything. Like It seems like you can't actually, you know, affect any sort of change without the next lot turning it all around again. So how do people like me and people who might listen to this do anything about this? Uh, look at old mate Alan Joyce. <laughs> Like, become the boss of a gigantic company that has, a, like, Rupert Murdoch. Like, if you really want power, you know, become Zuckerberg or Murdoch or become, you know, the person who decides what you're going to see when you turn on your iPad, who decides what you're going to hear when you turn on the radio. Like, they're the, they're the people with actual power, the, you know, the influencers, as they're called on the Instagram. <laughs> Although that is another thing altogether. I know someone who got a job on the radio because they had a shitload of Instagram followers. It's like, it's not an auditory medium. <laughs> what are they going to be doing? Sitting in their bikini at the microphone in the morning? <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> to, touch on, uh, to touch on that, since we spoke last, mm. I have embarked upon said breakfast radio adventure. Mm-hmm. I am I am doing uh, Hit 105 in Brisbane. In Brisbane. I'm going there this week. Did you say Brisbane? Yeah. <laughs> it's either Brisbaneal or Brisbane. I love Brisbane. Because yeah. it makes me feel like there's some sort of orgy happening there all the time. All the time. <laughs> well, my favourite, uh, a, a good friend of mine, uh, let's just call him the wolf, uh, we were driving up Ann Street one day and we were driving past The Beat, the best gay nightclub oh, name ever. Yes, but it's full of children. <laughs> well, like, for you, you're 40-something. No, I was there at the age of 30 and I was like, I remember looking around just going, oh, my God, I'm not only the only person here over 30, I'm the only person over 21. Like, it's a crash. <laughs> <laughs> but it, he had never understood the name behind the cocktail bar upstairs. Which is? The Cockatoo Club. 
Right. Yes. Because <laughs> I laughed so hard and he goes, what are you laughing at? It's like the name. It's a cocktail bar and a gay bar. It's called the Cock 2 Club. Why? It's named after a book. What do you prefer on the weekend? <laughs> oh. <laughs> best. Oh, glorious. I love Brisbane. Brisbane feels like the most Australian city. It's pretty in Australia. Australia. It's pretty Australian. Because like it's, it's a quite a mixed, as my grandmother would say, it's a mixtum compositum of, of our, our country. Yeah. And that it was when I grew up there, it was just um, straight up kind of country folk who bought pants that weren't RM Williams. Yeah. And it was everyone was a country person, but they'd come to the big smoke. That was yeah. the big smoke, all right? And then the 90s, late 80s, 90s hit, and Victoria basically moved to Queensland. Yeah. And because there was less rain, yes, and when there was, it was just it was still warm. <laughs> property was property was cheaper, yeah. and the schools were good, and it was lovely. And so, but now it's this incredible city. Of- so you would remember when there was nothing. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot; we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Between the Gold Coast of Brisbane, and I now there absolutely is absolutely remember the, there is something all the way up. I absolutely remember. <laughs> you had to drive through the suburbs to get to the freeway, yeah, and then you would leave Brisbane, yeah, and there'd be bush, and then you'd arrive at the Gold Coast, and that is no longer the case. No, now it's just kit homes for to all the horizon, the way in every single direction. Um, but yeah, so since I, I actually uh, have the best deal in the universe, because while well, Bachelor is in production, yeah. I do it out of that room over there. Oh, cool. So I do radio. You don't have to go. So there's literally no one at Today FM anymore. I did I did uh, Emerciano's show the other day. Yeah, you did. You were on the webcam. And, uh, yeah, I was the only person in Sydney. <laughs> yeah. No one else. It was like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> do you miss it? Um, I miss the craziness of it. I miss, uh, I miss having, you know, first bite at a joke. Like, you know, a story would happen and you'd be bang, 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 like throwing gags out left, front and centre and you're like, yep, no one else is up this early. No one else is able to make these jokes. You go to a club three weeks later and you're like, yeah, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> I did that two weeks ago at 7.50. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. If you in the, in the states, they call it um, the boom jingle. They call it the boom jingle. Like someone like you, or in my show, it's Stav, mm. drops the funny. Yeah. yeah laughs. And as the laughter is happening, as the laughter just reaches its past its peak. <laughs> oh, twenty-seven to eight. <laughs> oh, oh, Friday funny's next. 
Yeah. You got you throw a time call in and laugh. Yeah. Maybe some weather. <laughs> I miss I miss I I really miss the camaraderie in the we used to call it the bubble. Um because it's weird, like, there's no other job where you know you're in a soundproof room. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're bitching about someone, it's like, they can be, they can see you through the glass, like they're glass walls, but you know they can't hear you unless someone's pressed a button. And there's a light that says that button's been pressed. It's a different world now, Adam Richard. <laughs> Everyone's down the line. We and record cover. everything. Oh, really? We record everything, even the off-air stuff. No. It's all content, mate. It's all content. No. It's all content. Oh, yeah, and everything's on video now as well. It is. It's yeah, a different, no. changing world. It's, yeah. How do you think uh, MM came up a little? She bumped up 4.4 points, which, yeah. is, which is good. Look, it's, you know, I... Oh. I've had a hard time with that mark with this market. Haven't yeah. They? Also, the fact that they've not let a show do more than a year for the last four years yeah. is no good. Yeah. Like it's you, like you spend a year finding your feet as a show, and then the next year is about finding your audience. Yeah. Like it took us. We just went number one. Yeah. The see? last survey, and that's fourteen months in. Yeah. See. It's it's about persistence. It's not about oh yeah right we're gonna throw the whole show out and start again like it's. Um, Matt Tilly, who I used to do breakfast with for a long time, used to say, he said, it is the most insane thing in the world. They keep all the program directors and all of the executives. He goes, it's like at the end of a football season, instead of firing the coach, firing the entire team and hiring a new one. (laughs) 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 Which is what they do. You know, you're absolutely right. Like, it's like there's a panic and it's like, oh, well, it can't be the program director's fault. It must be. These assholes that are talking. <laughs> it can't be, can't be the person who said, "No, oh, that segment's a great idea. I went not here for a segment. Yeah, it's going to be really good. Gotcha call is what we're going to do. Oh. Going to bring it back. It's yeah. So it's 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 never the person who ultimately is responsible because you try to do anything new and they're like, "No, nah, we don't like that. No, that's no good. Listeners won't like that. Listeners will love this," and yet. When it's time to hang someone out to dry, it's the people who've just done what they've told for the last 12 months. So, yeah. <laughs> it is certainly, it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting thing to be in. Yeah. I do also, like I it. think it's like, you know, I don't know what the ins and outs are at Today FM, but like I thought the Roven Sam show was a great idea because it's a massive counterpoint to Carl and Jackie O, mm. who are very abrasive and they're confrontational and, you know, it's a bit grubby at times and whereas you're never going to get that with Rove and mm. Sam. Like, so, but no one goes flocking to a nice show. Mm. Like, they find it over time and they haven't had the time to sit there being something you can have on while the kid's in the car and not have to go, oh, it's honey, I'm just laughing because the man said a funny thing. Like, that is not <laughs> an explanation for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's, and, and also, you know, they would have been constantly looking at Carl Jackie and going, well, they're doing, they're talking to this person, they're doing that. And it's like, well, why, why do you want Rove to talk to those people? He's, that's not his thing. He's yeah. he's nice. He's not. He's 
fucking successful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, you know, he's been successful at being charming and hilarious and, yeah. and adorable, not by being confrontational and abrasive. Is he charming and, and hilarious and adorable in the boardroom when he's cutting those fuck-off deals? That's what I wonder. I don't know. When he's talking to networks and just getting these massive projects over like the line? Like crazy. Like, I don't... The only reason I know about his deal at Osteria is because it's had to be on the books because it's a public listed company and he got shares. Uh, <laughs> and you just go, Jesus, he's, I think he's just one of those people that just is like, yeah, no, just, just give me that. I'll have that, 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 and that, and then I'll come and do your show. Like, I don't think there'd be anything nasty about it. It'd just be like, oh, we'll just have all those. I was talking more about the his, his, when he's got his other hat on, when he's got his production, yeah, roving enterprises hat on. See, this is this is why you have other people that can be the asshole. Ah, uh, right. You always hire an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to say my manager. I've only recently hired a manager less than a year ago, actually, right. and she's a fantastic operator. I do love working with her. Yeah, yeah, and it's only it's. I'm not going. It's. I prefer to say it's always nice to have someone else to be the baddie. Yeah. Well, I, I was in a meeting the other day for a thing and, there, you know, there was something about dates that we were meant to be doing stuff and someone in the meeting said, oh, I'm not available for this, this, this and this. I'm like, just, that's, don't bring that up. Hmm. That's, that's your agent's thing to go, look, I'm really sorry I hadn't realised I double booked him. <laughs> like, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, I did it. <laughs> But you just get someone else to do that for you. Yeah. Just but like, it helps shush. keep the relationship creative and it helps keep the yeah. relationship on a... It's like if you had someone in... Like my, if I had someone in my personal life here with my wife hmm. and any time I had a disagreement... Oh, my God. I'd be like, oh, honey, yeah, totally. I'll absolutely hang that laundry out. Don't you worry. And then I went off and went on my bicycle for five hours hmm. and this person called Audrey up and goes, oh, look, he really wanted to hang up the laundry but he's been, he's been called away. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he promises that he'll make it up to you because laundry is really important to him. Uh, but it just won't be happening today. Yeah. Okay? And then, you know, but they leave them smelling like flowers and yeah. then I come back. <laughs> be a whole other world. Yeah. You'd still get in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's still good. You'd still get, in, still get in trouble. That's, you know, that's the worst thing about partners. They can always smell bullshit. <laughs> Speaking of bullshit, I'm glad you came over today because I was thinking I'm going to change gears extraordinarily here. Okay. Um, are you still a, a, a fantastic sci-fi kind of person? Yeah. Okay. Did you see the film yeah. Passengers? No. Oh, not fuck seen me. It. Is that – yeah, you tweeted about it the other day. Yeah. That you were concerned. My sister told me the crux of it and I was like, oh, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Well, it did. It did. Okay, so for folks who are asking, it's basically um, uh, Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence, and are they on this 120-year-long uh, journey to colonising a planet that they'll never come back? Yeah. Uh, and something goes wrong with his sleep pod, and he wakes up 30 years in. Yeah. And suddenly he's the only person awake on the ship. He's awake for a year and three weeks, and then walks around the pods and goes, "She's hot. Guess I'll wake her up." Yeah. And he wakes her up. It's, that's a creepy, creepy but premise. Because he's Chris Pratt and he can do all the the montages where they're playing basketball yeah. and having fun and he's being goofy, goofy. If it was like Michael Fassbender with a thousand-yard stare, <laughs> you know, or heaven forbid anyone but a white man, yeah, it would be a very, very different film. Yeah, I, look, not having seen it, just the concept makes me go... It's very well done. And Morpheus shows up in the middle of it. Oh, that's good. Which is pretty good. <laughs> Uh, 
but it does. Uh, it looks pretty. Like I, just, I saw the trailer and I, because you know on Facebook things will roll up and there's no sound, but there's vision. Yeah. And so I was like, I was watching the trailer. I was like, I don't actually want to hear what anyone's saying in Ooh. this because it's really pretty. I think it's one of those films I might like to have on when I'm doing something else. Watch it on a plane. Yeah. Watch it on Oh, no, then I have to concentrate if it's on a plane. Like, I, I have things on. I've been working. I write questions for The Chase Australia, and I have things on in the background. Like, I have telly on because it's like I could be writing, 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 and then someone will say something in the show, and I'll be like, Oh, that could be a question. Like, I need constant input. Because so, otherwise it's just me looking on the internet going, what about that? What about that? What about that? What about that? Whereas if there's just random noise. Like, I was watching Gilmore Girls today and someone said something about Christiane Amanpour. I'm like, what if there's a question about her? No, there's not. There we go. I love it. So, yeah. Because there's like 90,000 questions in the database and you can't double up. So, it's, it's out of control. So, you're working on a proper game show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote for Tom Gleason's. Quiz show last year as well. A hard quiz? Yeah. That was a great one. So much fun. Like, this is one of the best jobs ever. Also, being behind the scenes, all care and no responsibility is so good. <laughs> like, you watch Tom out there having, like, you know, the question thing was breaking down at one point. There's people screaming in his ear. Everything's going wrong. And I'm just sitting there going, not my job. <laughs> I've done my job. It's finished. <laughs> wow. Fun. Yeah. That's fun. So much fun. What was the most subversive thing you managed to get in? Um, oh, occasionally when he was kicking someone out of the show, uh, he'd have like a little pithy joke and then out and send them out through the double doors, <laughs> which are operated by hand, hilariously, like on old Star Trek. Star like there's Trek two stuff. guys back yeah. there slamming them. Um, and there was a woman who was an expert on Tolkien and I texted the head writer saying, oh, you should say off to the, the Grey Havens with you. And so that's what he said. And then after the show, he goes, what, 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 what did you mean by Grey Havens? Is it like an old people's home? I'm like, no, that's, that's where all the elves go. Like, it's essentially the other side. <laughs> In Lord of the Rings, he's like, oh, Jesus, that's cruel. I mean, I know. <laughs> she was really old. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I got to be. Oh, man. I do. The other day. Never, never trust me if it's right for you. Oh, no, no, Mate, I would in a blink. I have a game show fan. I did a game show once. I did a, a, a question and answer game show one mm-hmm. time. I hosted it. Oh, I loved it. Oh, oh, I do love a game show. Well, there's so much structure involved. Like it's yeah. all like, you know, it can only go in one direction. Like yeah. there's no... There's no mess. There's if you're no... the host, you have to know the rules backwards. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely backwards. And you're... Which, so which one was yours? Oh, it was uh, Anton Deck came up with a format. I think they sold it on paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ITV and ITV bought it. And then Australia made a version of it. on no, Fremantle. And Australia made a version of it. And it was called The Contest. It was basically... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was basically a Q&A, round of Q&A. Yeah. And then they would lie to each other about how well they did. Yeah. And... It was so much money per correct answer, and they could they hit a button that they could buzz out at any time. They could take the money and run. Yeah. Like if someone knew no, nothing about, <laughs> you know, space shuttle engineering, yeah. but they went, are you kidding me? The Challenger rocket disaster was caused by... Blah, blah, it wasn't blah, blah, caused blah. by O-rings. It was caused by... <laughs> I read the report. Uh, you know, and yeah. the other person would just start doubting themselves. Um, Unfortunately, the show that we made on the floor wasn't the show that went to air. No. And post, post-production post came in and messed it up. But 
Um, I went and did um, I did Family Feud the other day. Oh, fun! With oh, Grant Daniel is a master. Yeah, I I just fucking love game shows, man. They're fun. I just do. It's so much fun. Like it's you know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's that was one of my favorite things working on Hard Quiz was the first round. There's like all this point stealing, so everyone gets their own special topic that they've chosen. But the questions you write them, so anyone like gettable or guessable, we we call them. <laughs> So anyone can kind of have a crack at it. Um, but I used to really enjoy writing a dog leg of a question. So it sounded like it was going in a very obvious trivia direction. So someone would buzz in to try and steal the points. And then it's like, oh, no, that's just the setup, the actual answer. <laughs> like there was a – I got to write Eurovision questions, which I didn't have to do any research. Um, but there was one like, you know, uh, the winner of Eurovision in 1974 was the Swedish supergroup. Man, Abba. No, with the song Waterloo at which British seaside resort? Because <laughs> they went up Brighton. Then you get to make jokes about British seaside resorts and that that's an oxymoron. Uh, Brighton? It was, it was held in Brighton that year. The, the ABBA, ABBA Eurovision? Won with Waterloo at, in Brighton. They were competing in Brighton. I think it was meant to be, I think that year was meant to be in Monaco or somewhere. And like about five times countries have gone, now. we can't afford it. And so they've ended up in England. <laughs> I think it's one of the greater television formats ever created. Oh, the fact that it goes for like three weeks. Yeah, it does now, doesn't it? <laughs> Forever. And all that backstage stuff and everyone's on the chamfers and people are just sozzled. Oh, apparently they film it live to tape about three or four times on the odd off chance that something goes wrong on the night and they can. So they're constantly running a live one in the background and they can just switch over. Like if a camera falls over. So the performances. Over, yeah. Ah. So if anything goes wrong, they can flick instantly to a pre-recorded in front of like like a dress rehearsal essentially that they've done in front of a crowd. I'm not going to say that ever happened on Australian Idol. <laughs> but we did take meticulous care during camera rehearsals to make sure they were perfect. Yeah. But that's fantastic. I, I, I would love to go. I would oh. love to go just to see the production. So huge. Just to see the television. So just you're you're not doing it? Oh you know, it's all God. up in the air. No one knows who's doing oh, it this I'll year. I'll never let I wish. <laughs> I bloody wish. But I'm I'm too closely tied to ten to get yeah. anywhere near any SBS action. Yeah, I think I wrote a question about you the other day that was rejected. <laughs> yeah. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. I could write one on the ABC. I'll get onto that. Really? <laughs> on hard quiz? Well yeah. Is he coming back? Yeah. Oh, fuck, that's great. Yeah, it was huge. Oh. Like, and really popular with the ABC's core audience being women in their 60s. Like, they loved it. They love Tom. Oh, they love Tom. Abby, who I work with, has a massive thing for Tom. Oh, he's she, amazing. She finds him so hot. And he writes, like, he writes questions. He's, like, there in every meeting. He doesn't have his own little office. He just sits in the writer's area. We all, you know, stupid open plan craziness. And, yeah, he's... Yeah, you would, you can't, it's kind of one of these things, you have a meeting, blah, blah, and then you're like, oh, that's right, he has to host this. No, <laughs> <laughs> so he's very good at it. Oh, he's so funny. Like, it's, the, the whole show is essentially set up for him to do what he does amazingly well at stand-up, which is just hang shit on everyone in the front row. And all the contestants are, you know, bolshy front row people. <laughs> bolshy front row people. <laughs> 
all full of themselves, all think they know stuff, and it's Tom's job to point out that they know not as much as they thought they did. What was the first game show that you remember, uh, like, really loving? Uh, oh, probably Blankety Blanks. <laughs> Graham Kennedy. Because it was naughty. You could tell it was naughty. I didn't know what they were doing. God, I'd love to get but that back on. you could tell it was naughty. I would love to get that. Oh, it would be awesome. I want to sit in an Ugly Dave Gray's chair. <laughs> if I get it up, you are on it. There was a friend of mine was like there was talks about him doing it. And I was like, I have to be in the corner every week. And I, I sent him a text. He's like, he goes, it's not happening. But if it is, you're there. <laughs> it would be amazing. It would be so much fun. I don't know where you'd put it, though. Where would you put it in the lineup? Well, you could stick it on the Netflix. No, 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 no. RuPaul, like, RuPaul, prime time, right? Prime time. RuPaul does blankety blanks on Netflix. Oh no, on Stan. RuPaul's on Stan. They call it Match Game in the States. It's called. Uh, it's called Gay for Play. <laughs> oh, Gay for Play. <laughs> it's very funny, but it's essentially blankety blanks. Oh, I love it. It's very silly. It's, you know, the, the, the game part of it seems mindless. I did work. I was really excited. My very first quiz show I ever worked on was in 99, and I wrote questions for All-Star Squares. Do you remember that? Where they had the, it was the Hollywood Squares? Yeah, it was Celebrities in the Noughts and Crosses board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I used to write gags for Toddy Goldsmith, which she was very good at delivering, but strangely enough. <laughs> she had quite a skill. Because <laughs> you'd have to write, like the whole thing with um, All-Star Squares was you'd write the fact. Yeah. Well, the question for Ian Rogerson to ask, and then you gave the celebrity two facts. One was right, one was wrong. They weren't allowed to know which was right, which was wrong. If they did, that was up to them. Um, and then you gave them a joke if they wanted to use it. So that was each each question, you know, mm-hmm. paid per question. So every single one had, you know, verifiable facts and a joke. And it was, yeah. That's a hell of a lot to come up with. They didn't have to be good jokes. <laughs> and they didn't have to use them. Like, it was, you know, they could come, they could do their own ones. So, yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was exhausting. <laughs> do you find when you write jokes for other people, you have to coach them in how to deliver it ever? Um, no, because, I mean, the, with those things, you'd, you'd write kind of, you'd write a suggestion of, like, oh, maybe this could be good with so-and-so because there were, like, four or five regulars on the show. But then they'd get, you know, home and away people in the other corners um so yeah it was you know you just hope for the best like that's the thing i love about working on hard quiz is like it's it's uh it was daniel burt myself and tom gleason and sometimes jared mcculloch is the head writer and we would literally sit in a room go through every question that was going to be asked and just throw up gags that might be you know that we thought were funny you know structure things around us like what about this what about that and then tom would you know, use the ones he liked, come up with his own ones. Like it was, it, it was a very organic kind mm. of, you know, there was no one hammering out has to say this at this point. So, yeah, it's more of a, yeah. Running jokes for other people is, it's weird. Like it's, it's easier if it's character-based. Like when you're writing a script for a character, like it's like you're not writing for someone, you're writing for that character. Yeah. And that's up to whatever actor you get in. Hopefully someone who can do comedy. It's like... <laughs> Twelve of them in this entire country. It's devastating. <laughs> Twelve actors that can do comedy in this and, entire country. And acting. At the same time. Uh, yeah. 
Like there's, you can see, like there's some shows you'll see where you go, there's a bunch of comedians on, and you go, oh, this is a really funny show, and you go, they have, they have no character. That's just them. Oh, <laughs> that's just them. Like stand ups who are yeah on the telly. Oh, we did, we auditioned a bunch of stand ups for a show I did at the ABC that I wrote, and they are the worst at because the whole big part of acting is like the the hardest bit is when the other person's talking. You have to look engaged. And there is not a single stand-up on the face of the earth who gives a shit about anyone talking at any point other than them. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is, a, that is a big monumental hill to get over. <laughs> Especially, and then to see them in an... Like, I would see auditions of people. I remember training someone, someone who is now on a comedy show, like, saying, I want you to get this part. Like, I've written this part. I love it. I think you'll be great in it. And saying... The only thing you need to remember is look engaged when the auditioner is reading their lines. Like, look like you you care about what they're saying. You know, like, and then I watch the tape, and he's just like looking at his script, waiting for his turn. I'm like, oh, it's not. We're not playing Skippy. <laughs> it's yeah, but and then there's actors who are amazing who could not find a laugh if it was, you know, there on a plate for them to deliver. They would somehow manage to dance around it. And you're like, what are you doing? I've seen that in auditions too. You're like, what, what, what is this? This is, this, is a, this, is a, this is a funny script. You are jumping around and being all mental. <laughs> so, yeah. We're, we're recording this right on the cusp of uh, comedy festival season. Oh, yeah. It's comedy festival at the moment in Brisbane. Yes. They're all over the place. We just had Brisbane. I mean, Perth, Adelaide's on its last legs. Yeah. I think just finished last weekend. So, yeah. And then Melbourne is next. Like, it's all around the country. Wherever you live, there's a comedy festival. There is. Are, <laughs> are you excited about any part of it? Um, oh, this is the first year I haven't, I'm not doing a show on my own, which is awesome. <laughs> Just going and doing gigs here, there and everywhere. I'm doing a show in Melbourne on Monday. It's called The Shelf. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I'm just working. Other jobs, doing stand-up in Brisbane at the Sit-Down Comedy Club. Uh, like a jobbing comedian. That's where I, uh, that's where <laughs> I began and ended my career as the world's <laughs> worst comedy MC at the Sit-Down Comedy Club. Well, it's... It, oh, shit, I, I had no idea. I honestly believe... I should probably teach a class, but I reckon I could get anyone to do a decent five-minute set. Anyone. Like, I don't think I could make them have a career beyond that. But <laughs> You can start with me. Like, I would... like, you've got most of it. You've got most of the stagecraft down. Like, you you know, it's just more like there's just other bits and pieces. I don't know if I could ever do it, though, because people have such, such preconceptions of that. Yeah, there's that. You would have to be a character. Really? Yeah. I know, it's the worst. It's too hard. Yeah. <laughs> what if I did some sort of storytelling thing? See, that would be fine. Or just told, told stories about the days where I used to drink. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Do people want to hear that? <laughs> Morality play. <laughs> as long as I change a few names here and there. Is it, do you miss it? What, drinking? Yeah. No, God, no. None of it. None of it at all. No, it was absolutely unsustainable. Yeah. No, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I I miss the I miss the kind of the people I spent time with. But now that they've kind of all fallen away, I go, well, maybe they're. I feel like I'm like some sort of weird mirror of their problems. Like the fact that I was no longer drinking made them uncomfortable. Mm. And I was like, oh, 
Like, and I would never be judgy. I would never, you know, I'd stay out to two, three in the morning completely sober, but you just stop getting asked over. Like, people yeah. stop wanting to hang out and it's like, oh, that's sad. I liked those yeah, people. Yeah, but, you know, if I'm also, I go to bed at radio hours, man. Yeah. I go to bed. 9.30. Yeah. I found that doing breakfast radio was the best time in my life to have any root canal surgery. I totally went to sleep in about four different root canals. Oh, you just lie there? I would... Yeah, well, you'd be lying there with your mouth open. I'd be jamming around in your face. And after a while, I would hear, what's that noise? It sounds like a... Is that the... Oh, that's not the drill. I'm snoring. Because <laughs> <laughs> you go about two in the afternoon, which uh, is your prime time for... Uh yeah um uh well I do have I do have the fantasy of doing a festival show doing the storytelling festival yeah. show um but I would definitely need someone like you to to help me write it and maybe direct it whole hour that's a big ass yeah I know yeah but there's probably something in there there probably is I mean shit if Rosie Waterland can do it I can do it. <laughs> there is, I'm look but she's fucking funny she is funny there is there would be something in there it's just the like doing doing stand up is uh. Like I, I did like a workshop for people about a year or two ago, and it was before the comedy festival show. And I was like, "All right, who here is doing a solo show, like an hour-long solo show for the festival?" And a few hands went up, and I was like, "Right, how long are the spots you normally do around town at the comedy clubs?" They're like, "Oh, five, ten minutes." I'm like, "And you have another forty <laughs> up your sleeve?" <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, yeah." And I'm like, "Okay, now you live in Melbourne, so you're already paying rent here." Do you think your one-hour show is good enough that you would be prepared to pay ten to fifteen thousand dollars extra on top of all your other bills just to live in Melbourne for a month to do it? Like if you weren't already living here, because that's what everyone else is doing. Like people coming from Brisbane and Sydney and you know Hong Kong and Malaysia and wherever they're coming from, they're paying minimum ten to fifteen grand just to be here. Like for an accommodation and food and the whole works and airfares and do you think you're that good? Would you back yourself that much? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, yeah. Why are you doing a whole show? <laughs> I was awful. I was like, I was like, if you want to be famous, you need to get on Instagram in a bikini. So that's no reason to do stand up. If you want to be make a lot of money, then you're gonna to have to be Will Anderson or Dave Hughes because they are the only people who are selling tickets hand over fist. Like otherwise, you're gonna maybe make the rent of, you know, the venue. I don't know about your house where you live. You might not make that money. Um, and then the other one was, uh, I went, if you're doing it for attention, you'll get attention and there will still be a hole inside you, so you might need to go to therapy as well. So you need to have another reason to do it. Like, you need to feel like you've got something to say because that is the only thing that's going to push you over the line when none of those other things happen. That is not what you want to hear when you sign up. You sign up. You sign up to a class going, this is it. Louis C.K., look out. Here it comes. Get Stan on the phone. I'm going to be booking my series next week as soon as I get this workshop out of the way. All right, Adam, hit me with it. How are you going to make me a star? And then you stand there and say... That's great. What are you saying? But that, Why that could be, are the, you that saying could be it? the best thing anyone ever hears in there. Yeah. And, but it took you, what, 20 years to yeah. get that? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, maybe 10. Yeah. Like, but for the last 10, that's kind of been the thing. It's like, you know, I keep doing it because I feel like 
there's still something I need to say. I still feel like I've got things that I want to say. Um, what is it that you want to say when you go out there? Oh, look, when I first started, I was the, the only other gay comedian was uh, Sue Ann Post. So, you know, I was the only, the only gay, gay in the village. And, yeah, so, and now I feel like, you know, with the whole marriage equality thing, I feel like there's still, you know, in this country, there we can hear things from a comedian that we don't want to hear from a politician, mm. that we don't want to hear from some asshole in the news that we don't want to hear from any other yeah. place, but you hear it in comedy and you go, oh, that was a funny joke. And you go, yeah, maybe he's right about the thing. Like mm. Maybe I have been barking up the wrong tree. I don't know. Like I, you know, all I know is that when I was doing radio, I would have people come out and uh, write me letters and say, you know, I came out to my parents because I knew my mum thought you were hilarious and she would be fine with it. Like, like wow. that's... That's, I felt like that's all I've, you know, my entire career, that's enough. Just one kid being mm. able to say to his parents, I'm gay, and because they've not made a value judgment about hearing me on the radio or seeing me on the telly or, yeah. but, you know, seeing me at a, a gig. And then they, you know, their biggest complaint is, why aren't you as funny as he is? Uh, <laughs> imagine that. Imagine that was your parents. It's like, oh, yeah. that's lovely. Why aren't you really funny? Oh. <laughs> Or tidy. Your room is a mess. I thought you people were meant to be tidy. My mum said that to me once. <laughs> you people. My mum said that to me once. It's <laughs> glorious. Oh, that's oh, that's absolutely <laughs> glorious. But the other thing with with like the, that same thing, I was like, after telling these poor kids all this awful stuff, I was like, okay, now I know the one thing everyone wants to learn more than anything is crowd work. Because you see someone do crowd work and it's like they're just talking to someone in the audience and they're hilarious and they're the master of the domain and it's amazing. And I said, the the best way to do crowd work is to fail. Like you talk to someone in the audience, nothing funny comes out and it's going really badly. And then on the way home on the train, you go, oh, you know what I should have said? It's that. And then the next time you talk to someone in the audience, they'll have the same answer to the same question, like a different person. And you go, oh. That thing is there, locked away in your head. So the best crowd work is all from comedians who have failed and failed and failed again to say anything funny until they've just built up a huge, like a gigantic uh, case full of jokes in their heads for any situation that would come out. Right. Yeah. I've got to have the Joan Rivers uh, card system. Oh, she was amazing. <laughs> That that card system. That card system is incredible. Jo- if, if you haven't watched it, you've got. You just have to watch that Joan Rivers documentary. Um, she has this old. Uh, in the olden days, when you wanted to find a book, you didn't have to type it into a computer. <laughs> you would actually have to go to this fuck off big, wild looking brief uh, like chest of drawers. It had yeah. these, like that scene in Ghostbusters where all the cards yeah, yeah, come yeah. flipping out. It's like that. But she would put. What, like 75,000 yeah. jokes or I mean, something? That's how I still write my shows. Yeah. Like on those, yeah, on index cards. Like you go, okay, that bit and that bit and that bit. And then you have them all on the floor and it's like, okay, how do I get from there to there? I'll put that in there and that in there and then I might need a story that ties these three things together because I want, you know, because my theme this year is about change and so that's a change and that's a change and that's a change and then how do I get that in and, yeah. And I sit there moving cards around on the floor for days. And what does your husband do? Oh, he has not had to put up with that, thankfully. 
All right. These are, yeah, I've only lived there for a year and All I'm right. not doing a show this year, so he... Has He's yet to see the index yeah. cars. He has seen. He has come home to find me wearing my dressing gown at six pm, and uh, hammering away at the computer with you know Star Trek or some other nonsense on the telly. <laughs> and going, have you done anything? I'm like, yes, I've written twenty two questions. <laughs> but have you left the house? No. <laughs> That's fine. Working from home is like it's weird. Like it's a weird. It is odd. I find that I have to when I on. Days like today, when mm. I'm on shooting Bachelor, I do have to keep a. I, yeah, I do. I do have to keep a bit of a schedule. Otherwise, I'm just like. Homeland's on Netflix. Especially when Audrey's out. But I've got till about. Oh, that's right. No, she's at dancing this afternoon. Normally, Gigi comes home in about half an hour, so I normally have to look somewhat decent. Put on a pant. When Georgia comes home, just a pant. Yeah. No, I generally wear both pants around the house. <laughs> I nearly, I was about to walk out of the house. I was like, oh, I've got to go see Osh. And I was like, oh, I uh, should put some clothes on. <laughs> well, man, thanks for coming over. No, that's all right. It's awesome. Really appreciate you coming on the show again. I love, I would sit here and talk every week. If you ever have someone cancel, just call me. I'll come around. We'll talk nonsense. I like the sound of that. <laughs> I'm literally down the road. All right. It's like 10 minutes. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, man. Anytime. <laughs> that was Adam Richard. You can find him on Twitter at Adam Richard. Uh, let him know you heard him here. Thank you so much for very, very so much for listening. This uh, show uh, was not made just by me. Audio production was by Andy Ma, the one and only Andy Ma. Show production was by Haley Van Spanier who's also on holidays right now. And the music was by Toehider, who's, I think, on his way to Europe playing gig. What was that? I can't remember. He's Toehider, and he's awesome. So it's New Year's Day. So go out and make 2018 a bloody great one, will you? If, you know, you don't make resolutions today, make them tomorrow morning. And the morning after that, you can do it every day. That's the beautiful, beautiful part about being a human. All right. I love you. It's midnight. Is it? Shit, it is late here. Oh, I could have got to bed. All right. Thanks for listening. Until we talk next time, sleep well, dream of beautiful things. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.